Welcome to the EFM Morning Brief. We hope it's a quick and entertaining way for you to get up to speed with the latest news and events at the market, maybe while you put on your socks or grab your first coffee of the day. EFM Morning Brief is part of the year-round podcast series Industry Insights, the EFM podcast, which is presented by the European Film Market of the Berlin Alley. My name is Wendy Mitchell. I'm a journalist and film festival consultant, and I'll be your host for these morning briefings. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Scott Roxburgh, who is European Bureau Chief for The Hollywood Reporter. Welcome, Scott. Hi. Hi, Wendy. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for taking some time because we know you're out there pounding the halls of the MGB and beyond to get the, the scoops. Um, is it feeling buzzy here? I have keep bumping into people and everybody's sort of ecstatic to be back. Um, is that the vibe you're getting? Yeah, I think we saw some of the similar thing um, in Cannes and Venice last year. Just people are so excited to be out again and seeing people again and having real contact with human beings. Uh, I think we all uh, uh, got, um, uh, got went kind of stir crazy uh, during during COVID when we were all stuck at home. Um, so I think that's part of it. But I think there is a real change in what's happening um, with the industry uh, right now. Um, one of the after effects of COVID was that so many uh, film projects, particularly in the independent space, um, weren't able to get made uh, because they couldn't get financing together. Insurance was a problem and there were a lot of other issues. Uh, and so there was a real um, a bottleneck uh, that, and a lot of uh, projects got backed up. Um, and so there were very, very few films getting made, very, very few films getting brought to these uh, markets, uh, even the virtual ones as we've had the last couple of years. And this is the first market uh, where you've really seen the floodgates open, at least in my opinion, where you just see really dozens and dozens of really interesting projects on all budgets and types of genres and so forth coming out. So it seems like there's almost something for everyone um, at the market this year. Um, and I think that's what's getting people excited because there's so many of these distributors worldwide who've just been desperate um, for any really interesting new films and they just haven't been able to get them because they haven't been being made. Now they are getting starting to get made. Uh, and so everyone's really excited about that. Everyone's really hoping that this Berlin will be the sort of re true reboot uh, uh, to uh, um, uh, to, the, to the film industry, not just getting cinemas open again, uh, but really restarting uh, the independent industry. Yeah, you're sounding very bullish. I like it. I'm happy to hear all of this. Do you think this, you know, sort of flooding back into the market, which is great news, um, are we going to see lots of actual deals being signed this week? Does it feel like that buying and selling is actually going to happen. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, uh, the market's always a, a slightly artificial uh, construct when it comes to the actual deals because people know about the projects beforehand, the, uh, they negotiate often beforehand, and um, the sort of uh, events that happen in the market where there's a bidding war, that is very rare, actually, in terms of the number of projects out there. Um, but I think there will be a lot of, uh, a lot of deals done here, um, also because the, um, uh, there still is quite a bit of competition in every uh, major territory out there. So um, there are different buyers competing for the same uh, same packages, the same projects. So I think you will see a lot of uh, deals done. Um, and in terms of uh, finished films, um, I think you're going to see a lot of stuff done. You've already seen a number of um, projects sold to the US uh, or really bigger projects. There's Guy Ritchie's new film, which is just starting to shoot now in, in Turkey and Lionsgate bought that for the US just ahead of Berlin. So there will be a lot of those type uh, of agreements. Um, but even if uh, we don't see um, a huge number of deals announced here. Um, I think um, a lot of the sort of basis of the rest of the year's business will be will be set here. Great. Again, it sounds 
positive. Um, what would you say, I, I, you're the guy with your finger on the pulse of all of Europe, Scott, no pressure. Uh, what would you say some key talking points for the industry might be? You had a really great story um, that I read this week earlier uh, about how the independent film business is not so maybe driven by the streamers right now and there's room for other players. So is what are you sort of seeing about industry trends? Yeah, I mean, just a couple of years ago, um, uh, actually just before COVID, but then COVID uh, accelerated the at least the idea, there was this talk about, um, well, the streamers are just going to completely dominate the industry. Uh, they can always outbid everybody, they can pay more money for any any film, uh, so the independent uh, cinema owners um, will have no chance, uh, or, or, or distributors will have no chance. Um, and then came COVID and the cinema shut, and everyone was saying, oh gosh, that's the end of the entire independent film business because they won't be able to um, make money in theaters anymore, and then people probably won't come back afterwards, and the adult audience uh, will uh, abandon cinemas entirely because they're too scared or whatever. And there was all these this doom and gloom uh, around around the industry. Um, but if you look at what's happened over the last couple of years, uh, basically, uh, so many of the independent distributors uh, internationally were able to um, uh, rejig their uh, business models. A lot of them were able to get a lot of revenue out of their back catalogs by licensing them to streamers uh, over uh, the, the COVID period in particular, and made a lot of money um, out of that, enough at least, to keep their businesses going. Um, and then the streamers themselves have changed what they're doing. Um, they've really pulled back, uh, particularly Netflix, but some of the others as well, have really pulled back on how much they buy um, and are being much more specific. They're still paying huge amounts if they want a film. I mean, you saw uh, Apple TV by uh, Flora and Son, uh, 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 a Carney film uh, from from out of Sundance for like $20 million. That's still a huge amount of money to pay for an independent film. But they're not buying in volume. They're just buying very specific films, which leaves a lot more space uh, for the independents um, uh, to, to come in. And I think uh, talking to, particularly to um, independent producers and to sellers, um, a couple of years ago, a lot of them were talking about um, how important the streamers are and how maybe, you know, they might even be a preferred customer for them. Um, now everybody is talking up the importance of the independence because that's really where their uh, their business is. Uh, if they get a film that Apple loves or that Netflix loves um, or HBO Max loves, they can maybe uh, sell it for a huge amount of money, but they can't guarantee that. Uh, whereas these independent, uh, this independent industry around the world, these hundreds and hundreds of, uh, of mom and pop distributors, if I can call them that, um, they are the foundation of the business. And I think people are uh, uh, recognizing that again and coming back to it, uh, uh, to, back to that again, which is, which is I, think, I think, great news because it means that uh, this industry uh, that you and I love uh, um, is not dead yet and might have uh, might have a, have a real future ahead of it. Yeah, I loved reading your article because, it, yeah, it is a reminder. It's not just global behemoths who can afford to buy films. It's, yeah, the mom and pops are still in business and maybe have adapted their business. And I think that's, that's great news for the whole independent film sector. Um, any hot scoops uh, you're working on that we're going to we're going to be reading about in THR or maybe they're so hot you can't tell us? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, uh, you know, breaking news is always difficult to uh, uh, to uh, talk about before it comes out. Um, when it comes just to like what's I'll be looking forward to going forward in this this market, um, I think it's going to be interesting because 
uh, as I say, the business side looks quite good and quite positive. Um, um, but um, I think most of the talk in Berlin the next couple of days is going to be political. Um, uh, we're going to see or hear of Vladimir Zelensky give an opening uh, video uh, address uh, to the, the Berlinale. Uh, Sean Penn's going to premiere his um, Zelensky documentary on Friday. We're going to have Iranian filmmakers um, at the market uh, presenting a sort of an alternative for Iranian cinema uh, to completely break free from uh, the uh, the tentacles of the uh, Iranian regime when it comes to uh, comes to cinema and try to set up an alternative system outside, maybe outside the country, but definitely outside the um, the Iranian government and. I think those issues, which sometimes cross over with uh, with uh, the um, industry and with film, um, but really have to do more with with politics. Um, that's those are issues that have always been big in Berlin. Berlin's a big political town, obviously, um, and uh, the audiences here are quite politically oriented. Um, but I think it's going to be even more so uh, this year. There's just so much going on, of course, around the world, um, and there's so much focus on these big political issues in Berlin. And so I think um, alongside all the business that people are doing and all the talk that that, that's going to go on with that. I think most people in their coffee breaks and uh, walking the streets are going to be talking about uh, those those big issues because that's what's what's in the air at the moment. It's kind of nice that we're not just in a a bubble of our own uh, self-reflection and can remember there's a whole world out there in the midst of of a film market as well. Scott, I know you're you're busy out there talking to people every day. I don't know how much time you have to watch films while you're here. Is there one film that's on your must-watch list? Well, there's one that I, I'm desperate to watch just because uh, for personal reasons, and that's Blackberry, the uh, Matt Johnson uh, 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 comedic biopic about the rise and fall of the Canadian smartphone company. I'm Canadian, and uh, uh, Blackberry has a really, uh, uh, you know, a very, so- a very soft spot for for Blackberry. I still still have all the old collection of all the old models at home, and sometimes lovingly caress them when I pull them out of the drawer. Uh, it just, uh, um, it's one of these um, type of stories that uh, seems like was made for this type of um, uh, sort of uh, uh, weird, surreal, uh, comedic look, uh, which is what Matt Johnson is, is, is known for. Um, so I'm really excited to see that. Um, when it comes to some of the uh, other films in the programming, um, uh, Rolf de Hare's uh, um, uh, film, uh, the, uh, the Survival of Kindness, I'm really excited uh, to see because I think he's probably one of the best uh, art house film directors working today. He's completely unique, unusual, and... and um, he works sort of completely free of all restraints uh, when it comes to his ways of telling stories and his his vision. Um, and so I'm really um, excited to see that. Um, but the program is quite interesting this year because there's not that many big names. Uh, the only sort of big films we have are Tar and The Fablemans, which of course have already been released um, in most places. Uh, so there's not that much excitement about those must-see, type of must-see films. Um, but there's just a lot of really interesting and maybe um, uh, quite compelling cinema uh, being presented at the Berlinale this year. Um, and I think a lot more chances to really discover things that, that you weren't expecting. Yeah, it feels like a festival of discovery uh, again. Um and for what it's worth, I have a, a, a good friend who has great taste in film who has seen The Rof to Hear and says it's 
a cinematic masterpiece. He may or may not be the publicist working on that film, but still, <laughs> I trust his taste, and he'll usually tell me if he's working on something that's not a masterpiece. So um, thank you so much, Scott, for, for all your insights. Have a great rest of the market. We'll be reading along with everything you write in The Hollywood Reporter. And yeah, I hope you get to see that, that BlackBerry, and maybe you can fanboy and bring along your devices. Yes, yeah, right, exactly. I should bring, I should bring my, old, uh, my old torch and just, uh, and just thumb text all the way through. Great. Thank you, Scott. Thanks. There are several great talks today at the EFM industry sessions. A reminder, this is at a new venue. The Documentation Center is at Strassmannstrasse 90. Uh, it's just maybe four minute walk from MGB, so not too far to go. Uh, one to mention at 2.45 is sustainability, driving multi-perspective solutions to contemporary challenges. This is presented in collaboration with New Nordic Narrative Lab and Telephone Canada, looking at many facets of sustainability, social, environmental, cultural, economic, and how the global film community needs to think about all of this. And really interesting speakers, including Anna Laila Utsi of the International Sami Film Institute and David Hernandez Palmar of If Not Us, Then Who, amongst some other great speakers. Then at 4.30, there is a session called Your European Audience at a Glance. This is supported by Creative Europe Media, looking at audience trends across Europe. And gosh, we need to look at audiences again, don't we? Um, as well as hearing a preview of new research from the European Commission. A lot of you probably know already that the Baltics are the focus territory this year. And so over at the Gropius Bow on the second floor at the Producers and Projects Hub at 3 p.m., you can meet the 12 producers in the Baltic Producer Spotlight. So that sounds like a great way to meet a lot of great producers at once. And just a reminder, the Meet the Festivals and Consult the Experts connection formats at the market start today. Both are fully booked as of right now, but you can always check the EFM website under event schedule and see if there are any last minute vacancies. Thanks again for tuning in to EFM Morning Brief, and we hope you'll join us again tomorrow morning.